Welcome to Volley Takes, where we talk and give our takes on all things volleyball, news, and culture. My name is Abby, and if you're obsessed with the volleyball world like I am, you'll definitely want to tune in. So, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Volley Takes. I'm your host, Abby, and for today's episode, I feel like it's like this every episode. We have a lot to talk about, um, especially with the Final Four um, ending and crowning a national champion. With like the season being over, there's just so much to talk about, whether like it being the NCAA Final Four, the transfer portal, all that kind of stuff. And then I had the amazing honor to have a conversation with Creighton outside hitter Ava Martin. She was the sweetest thing ever. So look forward to that um, after we talk about the volleyball news, um, which, like I said, there's a lot. Um, so let's just get right into it. All right, so starting with my Final Four experience. So for the for those of you guys who don't know, I went down to Tampa, Florida. I live in Florida, but it was like two hours away. And I worked with VB Adrenaline on covering the AVCA convention, the Final Four, obviously, and then the AVCA Phenom Showcase. And let me just tell you, it was so much fun. I've never experienced the final four in that manner. Last year I went to Omaha, but I was mainly just in the ABCA uh, convention marketplace um, promoting a brand there. So it was really cool to kind of be more behind the scenes of the NCAA final four. I got to be on media row, which was honestly like a dream, like going out on the court before the teams even warmed up was just something that I never thought I would ever do. So it was really, really exciting. And I cannot thank VB Adrenaline, uh, Darren Tipton enough for this opportunity. But also um, what was really exciting was getting to cover the ABCA Phenom Showcase. Obviously, I like to um, promote uh, young athletes um, and sort of telling their stories. So it was really cool to see just such amazing talent at the Phenom Showcase. There were like hundreds of volleyball athletes and hundreds of coaches and from across all levels too. Like there was D1 coaches, D2 coaches. I think I saw some D3 and NAIA. So it was really cool to see just like like a showcase in action like I've been like to a showcase as a player before but I don't get to see like the entire showcase as a whole so it was really really cool and um, I recently posted a video of two setters that I was just so impressed with one of them was an unsigned senior which there were quite a few unsigned seniors there um And it was really, really cool to see, and I definitely hope that they got a few offers um, from coaches at that moment because um, a lot of times, like NAIA and even some D3, like they are just just now rounding out their 2024 class. So that was really awesome to see. So yes, the ABCA Phenom Showcase was so awesome, and. It's, it was also just really cool that those athletes were there because they got to experience the Final Four and see, like, their favorite players compete um, for the national championship. And I think that's what's really cool about um, having the ABCA Phenom Showcase 
in Tampa or they have it every year where the final four is. So that's, I just think that's really cool. So now let's get into, I guess, like just a brief recap of the semifinal matches. There wasn't really like, (laughs) it was so wild because like, to be honest, like I was really hoping for like these like incredible five set matches and we really didn't get that this year um but it was still obviously like amazing volleyball um I have some notes here so I may like be looking up and down but um yeah Pitt versus Nebraska obviously was a sweep and then Texas versus Wisconsin might as well have have been a sweep um especially after those uh third and fourth sets so yes very just like streamlined sweeps pretty simple wins for um nebraska and texas so which is i would say a stark difference from last year's semifinal matches because i feel like texas and san diego although it was in four sets like it was like really close like it it could have easily been a five set match and then of course Pitt and Louisville was a uh, five-setter, um, even though that fifth set was like, ooh, I think it was like 15 to two. I was like, oh man. Um, but Pitt got their revenge this year. So <laughs> anyways, um, but yeah, Nebraska dominated against Pitt. Um, I'm pretty sure Becca Alec had like 10 blocks in that three-set match, which is just insane. Um, like that's incredible that Like, you get 10 blocks in three sets. That doesn't happen very often. And then Texas pretty much rolled over Wisconsin. They had an 11-0 run um, in one of those sets against uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Madison Skinner obviously led in kills. Like, she doesn't, I would say, most if not all of Texas' matches this year. Um, But I think what was really impressive is she had six aces. Yeah, she had six aces in four sets, which is kind of wild if you think about it. So um, that was definitely impressive by her. But I think the player that impressed me the most in that match was Emma Halter. She had, what does it say here? She had 19 digs, seven assists. Oh, and also two aces. Don't forget about that. Um, So yeah, she definitely really impressed me not only in the semifinal but also the final which we'll get to in a little bit so (laughs) now we're going to talk about the all-americans or like the abca all-american awards uh more specifically the national player of the year award that was announced friday morning after the thursday semifinal matches um, so it was kind of interesting because, uh, I would say like the two players in the running for national player of the year were Sarah Franklin and Maddie Skinner, and they like got to compete against each other in the semifinals. And then same with like, I would say two that were in the running for freshman of the year, which were Olivia Babcock at Pitt and Harper Murray at Nebraska. So it was cool to see them kind of compete against each other too, even though, it had already been announced that Olivia had won. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, and although although Texas beat Wisconsin in the semifinal match, Sarah Franklin was still crowned National Player of the Year, which I would say, like, if you took the entire season, 
um, from like start to like before the semifinal matches when they um, vote on these awards. I would definitely like agree that it would be Sarah Franklin. I think she's been the most consistent throughout the season. But if you would have taken into consideration those last two matches, I just I'm convinced and I, I think I'll always be convinced that there's no other player in NCAA volleyball that can do what Maddie Skinner does. Um, seeing her in person is just incredible, like just how high she jumps in the air. There was this one picture of uh, Maddie Skinner, like up hitting against Anna Smrak, who's six foot nine, and Maddie Skinner like was up higher than Anna Smrak, like like their heads, like her head was higher than Anna Smrak's, which is just so crazy to think about because she's obviously not six nine like Anna Smrak, but she can jump so freaking high, so. Um, yes, I think Maddie Skinner definitely is, in my opinion, the best player in NCAA volleyball, but I do think giving National Player of the Year to Sarah Franklin for her performance throughout the season, I think, um, was the right choice. So now, <laughs> let's go into the championship match, which <laughs> I I have all these notes here, but it was just so hard to put into words what I witnessed, what everyone at the game witnessed, and, like, everyone on TV witnessed. Um, like, I could go through a whole bunch of stats, but I think the most important one is the fact that Texas had 12 aces in a three-set match. Um, no team wins a match getting aced 12 times, and I think that's pretty straightforward. The match came down to serving and passing, um, I mean, this is probably the biggest example of why serving and passing is as important as it is. Um, but yeah, the first set was really, really close. And um, yeah, there was a lot of controversy. Um, Jarrett Elliott got a red card, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but it definitely could have costed them that set. And it was really, really tight knit in that set. And then I want to say it Nebraska was up 10 to 7 in the second set and I don't know what happened but Texas just like popped off like they went on 11-0 run in serving just like they did in the semifinal match and Nebraska just could not get it together to come back um and yeah like I said it definitely came down to serving and passing like most other games do but not as important not as of importance as this match was so um here's some statistics um it's really wild because um before 2022 there have been a very minuscule amount of championship winning aces so if you don't know obviously asia o'neill had five of texas's 12 aces four in a row in the second set and then of course the championship winning ace in the third set but yeah so um the only other time before 2022 uh it was in 2014 Penn State had a match winning ace and then I think it's been a super long time even before that so the fact that 2022 and 2023 the national championships ended on an ace by the same team 
by like the same like serve in a way like it was a serve to the outside hitter pushing back to pass um and left back like that's just insane and I feel like if it would have been Akana who got the ace last year like if she would have gotten the ace this year I think like I'm definitely convinced that we're living in a matrix, but she didn't. So I guess living in a matrix is still a conspiracy, <laughs> but that would have been really, really wild. Uh, so um, other statistics include um, it was the most aces ever in a championship match. 20.7% um, of Texas's points that they scored in the match were off of an ace. So 20%. Like that is crazy. That that's just insane. I'm, as you can see, I'm very much of a statistics girl. So, um, yeah, <laughs> more to come. Um, they held Nebraska to just 47 points, which is the lowest ever in the rally scoring era. Um, keep that in mind. Um, they are the only team in NCAA volleyball history to win back to back titles in a sweep. Um, so even Penn State's like four P they weren't able to get two in a row off of a sweep, which that I think is such an amazing statistic to think about. Um, with how many teams have won twice in a row, they haven't been able to do it um, on a sweep. And then the last one, all four of their national titles have been in a sweep. Um, so when they win the Natty, they really win the Natty. <laughs> um, all right, now let's talk about Texas head coach Jarrett Elliott's red card in the first set so um I think what's really interesting about this is um so in the first set there was a really long rally um that resulted in uh Texas being called in the net after a kill so Jenna Wenis went up uh to hit a ball she hit it like straight down and but she was in the net at the end and I think what uh the Texas assistant coach was arguing was that she uh, the ball had already been down before she was in the net, so it wouldn't have mattered, um, which I don't even know what that rule is exactly. They may have also been arguing the fact that it, Nebraska could have ha may have had a double in that rally as well. I'm not quite sure. Um, anyways, it was a really long rally that um, was definitely a momentum shift in that first set. And to me, it looked like the assistant coach, David Hunt, was the one that got the yellow card um, after that rally because assistant coaches aren't really supposed to communicate with the refs. Um, so I was convinced that it was the assistant coach. I'm pretty sure all the Texas players and coaches were convinced it was the assistant coach because... Um, later in that match, there was, I think, I personally think an obvious out of rotation call on Nebraska that was missed. And Jared Elliott was just going up to tell the R2, like, Hey, like they, they were out of rotation. And then, I mean, I wouldn't say it was like a, like, <laughs> like a friendly conversation with the R2. Um, he was definitely very upset, which I think rightfully so. I think that's a call that cannot be missed in the national championship match. Um, but anyways, he got red carded and he was confused because he was convinced that he just straight up got a red card, not like the yellow before the red, but apparently he had gotten that yellow card earlier 
in the match or in that set. So, yes, he was red carded for that, which that gave Nebraska a point. Um, so that definitely gave them moment- momentum. And then it ended up being 22 22. Um, and Texas scored those last three points to win the first set. But very crazy in a championship match to see a red card. So. Um, yeah, those refs were not playing. <laughs> they did not want to have any sort of conversations with the coaches whatsoever, um, which Jared Elliott had talked about after the match where, like, before the semifinals and finals, he had had really good conversations with the R2s, and um, they had emphasized to really, like, have conversations with the R2 and not the R1, which I think he did a good job at. I don't feel like he was, like, shouting at the R1 at all. Um, I think he was definitely trying to explain to the r2 like he had like he even had like a piece of paper (laughs) and he was like he was like this player is supposed to be on this side of her (laughs) like like he was really trying to just explain and i knew immediately when he got upset about that that like it had to have been a super obvious call which it was so yeah that was his red card um and then jared elliott wasn't the only Longhorn or even person in the national championship to get carded because Asia O'Neill she received a yellow card in the third set for quote unquote like stare down taunting uh, the opponent and personally I'm not surprised that she got carded um, only because it seems like and it's it's the truth. Um, Sorry about it, but she seems to always be the only person who does, like, the stare down that gets in trouble for it. Um, There were at least three other instances in the national championship match where a player had stared down the opponent and didn't get in trouble for it. One of them involving profanity, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, But it seems like Asia is always the one who gets in trouble for it. And so many people on uh, Twitter were like, well, like, she does it all the time. Like, so they know, like, she she does it all the time. So why, like, why is it an issue? And I'm like, it's under the impression that she does it all the time because she always gets in trouble for it. Other players do the exact same thing all the time and don't get in trouble for it. So, yeah, it's beyond frustrating to me. I think they either need to card everyone for it or leave it be. Um, especially because literally she was just like, come on, or like, let's go. Like, it wasn't like, I'm I'm just not, I'm not going to say. Um, there's been much worse instances this season between players of different teams, a la Louisville versus Pitt, but (laughs) I'm not going to get into that. But long story short, I think it needs to be addressed in a more, uh, objective manner, manner. I think that's the best way to put it. So, yep. And then let's briefly, um, quote unquote, briefly uh, go through the post-game press conferences because there seemed to be a lot of controversy surrounding the press conferences, which, I mean, it's Nebraska versus Texas. So there's always going to be, people are going to create controversy, whether it's there or not. Um, But a couple of notes here. I personally don't think they were as bad as what people were putting it out to be. Um, I think some people were blowing it out of proportion. 
But let's start with the players, because I don't want to talk too much about the players, because obviously emotions were really high. Um, Losing a match is not fun whatsoever. So obviously it makes complete sense why specifically the Nebraska players were upset after losing. Um, I think that shows that they care about winning, but I think it also shows specifically for them that they aren't necessarily used to losing um, because they've only they'd only lost one other time uh, in the season. So it definitely showed, in my opinion, um, that they are not used to losing. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I think them being so upset just shows how much they do care, which I'd rather see that than them come up here and like be all smiley like after getting literally blown out. So very understandable. Now, Harper Murray's statement about how they're going to win three championships in the next three years, I think was wrong, but I don't think it was wrong for her to say it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think they're going to win the next three national championships. Um, I've said this for years. I don't think a Penn State having a 4P is ever going to happen again. I think volleyball is just grown way too much, uh, especially with the transfer portal, players wanting to start and be the stars at their respective schools and wanting to be happy where they are, um, I think just provides more, which is such a popular word in the NCAA tournament, but parity um, throughout the team. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but I also don't think it's necessarily wrong for her to say or believe that. That's obviously her opinion. Um, and I think it just shows her, uh, winning her drive to win and that attitude, um, that youthfulness to succeed. So, um, do I think what she said was bold? Absolutely. Um, I was kind of like, whoa, did she really just say that? Um, but I don't think it was like, I don't know, like, I think it was definitely bold and I think she definitely now has a lot to live up to and a lot to prove um, by saying that, but I don't think it's necessarily wrong for her to say that, even though I disagree with what she said. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) And then, obviously, I think, which I'm about to talk about the transfer portal in a little bit, but I think um, the conversation around um, the excuse of uh, teams having transfers, I think, is beyond over. Um, the transfer portal has been around for years now, even though COVID this spring is the last of the COVID seniors, um, the transfer portal is here to stay. Um, it's free to use for all the schools. Obviously I think Stanford's at a disadvantage, but that's for another episode. But I think for, um, the Nebraska coach to say that I think is a little out of line in my personal opinion, especially with the rumors that a high-profile transfer is considering Nebraska. I think it doesn't align with uh, what he had specifically said in that press conference. And then just like the excuse about Asia O'Neill being a sixth year and like having USA experience, like like I, I, I don't, I really don't know what to say and I don't want to speak too much on it because it was just, it was, it was beyond not right (laughs) that's all that's all I'm gonna say about that but yeah like the transfer portal like teams have been using it for years now and all honestly like I feel like the statement would have been more true last year with them having like 
Zoe Fleck and SKT and um, like all those other players um, coming from the transfer portal. But uh, the only one to like really come in this year was Jenna Wenis. All the other ones had been there. And especially with Texas losing Fleck and their setter and Logan Eggleston, like they're basically like their pass that hit of their offense. And then still coming back and winning the national championship the next year, I think just goes to show that like the transfer portal can matter, but it also doesn't have to necessarily matter either. So, but yeah, long story short, that conversation just needs to be done with. Um, All right. So now let's get into the transfer portal, which I think it's personally heating up a little bit. Um, So as I'm recording this, um, there's a bunch of players in the portal right now that are of significance. Um, Reagan Rutherford, Reagan Rutherford, uh, Taylor Lanfair. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, Hayden Kubik. These are all players that are in the portal but haven't decided where they're going. And I think one just entered, but I don't remember who it was. I don't remember who it was, but um, we have a lot of decisions that players have made that I think are going to be really significant to these programs. Um, Let's start with, hmm, who should we start with? Let's start with Maddie Bilinovic transferring to Creighton. Um, So Creighton's libero uh, entered the portal for her grad year. So I think Maddie Bilinovic was definitely a good get for them. Um, Next up, I have literally just all of these in my head. Um, let's do Becca Kelly transferring to TCU. That's going to be huge with her and Melanie Parra on the outsides. That's going to be just wild. Um, so very excited for that. And then let's do uh, Caroline Jurvicious, who obviously was at Nebraska. She entered the portal and is going to take her talents for the next four years because she redshirted, which that was very controversial if you haven't seen that article. Um, She's transferring to Penn State. So that's going to be really cool. Um, It essentially looks like she's going to be replacing Zoe Weatherington. Obviously, Penn State has a lot of depth on their team, so her starting isn't necessarily like a guaranteed. But I think she's going to do great things there, and I'm very, very happy for her. I think... um, she's gonna be a star so yeah just a little about that so yeah Taylor Landfair as of today as I'm recording this Taylor Landfair has not decided where she's going um it seems like her top two are Wisconsin and Nebraska according to a source that's pretty reliable um I personally think she's gonna go to Wisconsin I think they're in more need for an outside than Nebraska um I think she if she goes to Nebraska I think that's gonna be the most ironic thing especially from the post-game press conference that happened um but yeah we'll just have to see about that one but um I think another oh another two um outside hitters that are taking their um grad years or maybe I think they're both grads to Georgia is um Erica Lovett and uh Bianca Monique. She's actually a sophomore. Sorry. Um she's a sophomore from Texas A&M or going to be a sophomore and then 
um, Erica Lovett uh, going from Tennessee to Georgia. So a lot of conference to conference transfers, which is kind of interesting. Not exactly sure if I'm for it. <laughs> I wish like they would like change conferences. I think I think that would be really cool, but you know, it is what it is. But um, and then obviously let's talk about the most controversial transfer. Maybe in the past like four years, not maybe not four years, but like a couple years, is which I I like felt like it was gonna happen, but I just was, like could not believe. Like I was like, there's no way it's gonna happen, but I like had this gut feeling that was gonna happen. Whitney Lowenstein transferring to Texas. <laughs> oh my gosh! So there was definitely a lot of rumors that it was a possibility um, when she entered the portal. She had been following some Texas girls, liking some Texas stuff. Um, so it was kind of a possibility, but I just didn't think it would actually happen. And it's pretty wild. And I have a feeling that uh, John Cook knew about it before the pre- the press conference, because I think a lot of it like was geared towards like that, in my opinion. But anyways... Um, either way, like, I'm really excited for her. Um, I think she seems excited about it. Um, her announcement post was her and her husband and her daughter, Layla, which is the cutest thing ever. Um, uh, all in Texas stuff. So, yeah, I think, I think it's really exciting for her. And she has two years there, which is pretty, pretty wild. So, that was insane i posted on tiktok and like of a little meme and it was like what like this is a moment in history and it really is like it's essentially it's another nebraska to texas transfer which there's been so many now um so it definitely is going to elevate the nebraska versus texas rivalry even more um But yeah, we'll just have to see. And I don't know if she will play outside or right side because I think she can do both. And whether she'll even uh, start or not, I think is definitely a question, especially because she hasn't played in a year. Um, You don't really know what her abilities are going to be. So I think that's really important to note about that. So yeah, I'm just really, really excited. And I'm also excited to see where all the other players in the portal go as well which I'm now remembering that the other player that I was trying to remember was Minnesota middle blocker Erica Davis has entered the portal once again. Uh, so we'll have to see where she goes as well. Oop. All right. And finally, let's get into Pro Volleyball Federation. Um, they had a lot a lot of announcements uh, this week. One of them I got to kind of be a part of because I attended – um, their PVF jersey, their like jersey viewing party or jersey reveal party, uh, which was really cool. I got to connect with a lot of people in the volleyball community at that event. But yeah, I got to be like one of the first to see all the jerseys. And let me say, all of them were really, really cool. Some people were like kind of being like, oh, like, I don't really like that one. But I genuinely liked all of them. I think they were all unique in their own way. And I think it really emulated uh their team and their uh logo their mascot and everything so they were definitely cool I think the one that I was most impressed with or just the most just like whoa two was Columbus Fury like that one was like 
super badass. Like it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. So got to see all of that. There was a few additional, excuse me, a few additional signings. Uh, yeah, signings. That's the best way to put it. Casey Evans, which I think she signed to Atlanta. Uh, Casey Evans um, was the star outside hitter at Georgia. And then the one that I'm so excited about, I'm sorry, I cannot contain my excitement, but Megan McClure, what's her last name now? Jemison? Uh, she got married. Uh, Megan McClure Jemison, uh, Stanford outside hitter, love her to death, um, also signed to Atlanta. So the possibility of her and Morgan Hentz getting to play together again, uh, I'm sorry, like, I'm just so excited. So um, that was really, really cool. Um, and then I feel like there was more announcements, but I completely forgot because, um, I could not forget to mention Megan McClure, but, um, yeah. So long story short, I'm very excited for, um, the PVF season to start. Um, I've said this probably a whole bunch of times, but professional volleyball in the United States is long overdue. So, um, I'm very excited to, um, see how the season goes and stuff like that. And, there's going to be even more teams in 2025 as well. Um, if you didn't see the episode um, where I interviewed Orlando Valkyries head coach Amy Polly in January, there's going to be cuts. Um, they're only taking 14 players for the season. And my sister and I were just talking about this, that some of the players um, can stay on as practice players. I think they get to pick like two or three. Um, but there's going to be like two to three additional teams in 2025 so it would probably be cool to see like oh if these players don't make the teams this year that maybe they'll get signed to those other teams for 2025 so that's gonna be really really awesome I've already talked about the draft the draft was the coolest thing probably of the entire season I think that was so cool but anyways um that is all the volleyball news that I'm covering today um, there's probably a lot more, but um, now let's get into the conversation with Creighton volleyball outside hitter Ava Martin. Alrighty, so I'm here with Ava Martin, outside hitter for Creighton. Um, so Ava, could you just like sort of introduce yourself, um, a little bit about who you are, and then um a volleyball hot take that you have okay um, <laughs> my name is Ava Martin I am a sophomore from Overland Park Kansas and I have five younger siblings um oh, I, don't know I don't know if I said that already uh, <laughs> and then a hot take of volleyball I don't know we were talking about this earlier but the leggings and spandex like I'm diehard spandex all the way <laughs> I played in leggings maybe one time and it just wasn't for me. Um, personally, I did not look great in the leggings, but um, I, I love wearing spandex. So, but I think other people look great in leggings. So, do whatever suits yeah. you. Personal opinion: I prefer spandex over leggings. So, yeah, I actually I made a video recently about it, and like it went like viral. I was like, oh my gosh! So I was just talking about like legging, like just how um, NCAA volleyball now allows you to wear either one, and people really took that, and they're like wow like they're giving the athletes the choice is really more of what it was and I was like yeah I'm just kind of compare I'm just talking about like the history of it and they were like yes this is so great for the sport of volleyball I'm like 
yeah <laughs> I guess so but yeah I never wore yeah I never wore leggings well it wasn't I don't think it was allowed when I was playing so yeah I always wore spandex and it's me very uncomfortable though so like I understand why people would want to wear leggings mm-hmm. but I just love spandex OG OG all right so we were talking about this before um we started but is it so it's true that you have five siblings I have five younger siblings oh my gosh that's crazy so my family and then one of my sisters she's four years old so like there's a huge age gap with oh wow so it's so much fun like they'll come up to my games they're they're, like my biggest fans it's so cute it's so cute do any of them play volleyball yes actually so my two there's two sisters under me they both played and then one of them quit so she's not playing anymore but then my sister under that she's a sophomore in high school and she wants to play in college so that'll be really exciting so when I'm that is exciting um yeah and then I have two brothers under that and then another sister who's obviously like I said four so she's not oh my goodness someday she'll be playing so (laughs) yeah I have I have an older sister so like cannot relate I'm the youngest so (laughs) (laughs) but she could probably relate to being the oldest but um all right so obviously like what an amazing season that you and your team had like Obviously, like despite the heartbreaking loss to Louisville um, in the Sweet 16, um, you all made it further than you did last year. So talk to me about like what this season has meant to you and how you felt it's uh, been different from this year to last year. Yeah, I mean, this was just such an amazing season. It was so special. Um, We started out with our foreign trip. We went to Europe. And so that really helped us bond like before we even got into things. So I think that was amazing because all season long, our chemistry has been just so good. And I seriously love every single one of them, all these girls so much. And so I think that was really special for us. Um, Last year, our setter was out and we had like a really heartbreaking loss in the tournament. We lost first round at Auburn and like that really motivated us. Like we did not want to have to go through something like that again. And last year, I mean, we had a great season last year too. But I think we are really motivated this year to make it further. And so I think that was like a huge point of emphasis. Um, And then the Big East, that's always winning the Big East is always one of our main goals. And so that's fun to keep that tradition going because there's pressure kind of with that. And so, um, yeah, we worked really hard on just like all the little things. That was like a main focus for us this year um, to accomplishing those goals and so obviously sweet 16 was one of our goals but we wanted to make it a lot further but um it was still amazing to do that and very blessed and yeah it was just so much fun so yeah so I actually got to talk with uh your assistant coach on a bracket breakdown show that I did with uh VB Adrenaline and I also got to uh talk with uh Kiana Schmidt she was so sweet (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um she was kind of you know relaying the same thing about how um obviously um you had an injury to your setter last season um during the tournament and uh lost to Auburn and your coach was like making sure everyone is bubble wrapped and ready to go (laughs) literally we had a little bit of a sickness kind of like the week before um everyone was starting to get sick and so we were like okay emergency everything we can drinking lots of water we're like we are not gonna pick for the tournament like we need everyone healthy so and thank goodness everyone was so yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, that's, that's really, really awesome. And yeah, like I, something that I really like to do with like athletes, especially like at this age is like looking at their stats from like their freshman year to this year. And like, it's so cool to see your progress. So, um, I was looking from this year, uh, or this year compared to last year, you had more kills, digs, blocks, aces, and a higher hitting percentage. So like, obviously, like, obviously you're definitely like, kind of out of that like freshman slump I feel like but do you feel like it sort of reflects a difference in who you were as a player this season compared to last season yeah I mean for sure I another thing that like is kind of crazy is I think when you go to college you have in your mind like there's not much I can get better at like you're like I like I feel like most players think they've peaked and like you just can get reps but you're not going to learn a lot more like that was kind of my um, impression going into things of like okay I've learned everything I can but like I can just get more reps like whatever but like that was just so not true like I learned so much I mean our coaches are so amazing and we've just been working on so many little things and like that's really helped me become the player that I am now compared to last year and I think also like confidence is a huge thing like at the beginning of the year I would talk about that a lot because it's like such a mental game. And so having that confidence is just so huge. And it's really hard to be a freshman and like, just come in super confident. Like, that's not how I was, at least. Um, Because you kind of have to work your way up to earn that respect from everyone and kind of show people who you are. So yeah, I just worked really hard. And I was going to be the best player that I can. And yeah, made some progress. So it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you were Biggie's freshman of the year. So it's like, you, you would think like, oh, like you, you have peaked into the player that you are, but you got even better, which is just so awesome to see. And yes, I really like your guys' program, by the way. Like my yeah. sister and I, we talk about, we talk about um, your head coach all the time. We were like, she is so awesome. Like fangirling. Yes, she's so awesome. I know. <laughs> but um so I guess we'll talk a little bit about um the fan base so obviously volleyball is really big in Nebraska and I think I saw I think it was a video of a press conference of a a player from Colgate and she was like yeah the Nebraska fans they really love their volleyball like (laughs) she was like it was loud in there um and I mean you guys are like you guys were undefeated at home so like what so how would you describe the fans and like how they impact your matches? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just insane. Like they come out every single time and are just like so loud and they just love the sport too. Like even when we weren't playing and we would host tournaments, like fans would come so early just to watch volleyball because they love it. And I mean, I think when like I say like we went undefeated at home, like we all owe a lot of it to our fans because I mean, they would just get so loud and it was hard for other teams to go on runs because when we were down two or three points, everyone would get up, they're clapping, they have like a let's go Jays chant going and I'm like, okay, we're going to side out now with this chant going on. Like, I mean, it just helped so much. The energy, the momentum, like it was just truly amazing And, and it made it such a fun year. Our band even, like everything about it, just the loud environment, like that's why I chose Creighton Volleyball because like you said, like they just care about the sport so much especially in Nebraska and it just makes it so much fun Mm -hmm. yeah and I you mentioned uh deciding to go to Creighton so let's talk a little bit about your recruiting process because I always um I I feel like more and more followers um that I have are becoming or like 
college volleyball fans but like my OG is like club volleyball um that's what like I always covered for the longest time so talk to me a little bit about your recruiting process what club did you play for PVA oh yes is that okay wait People always remember us. We had the bright pink jerseys. Yes. That, yeah. So the pink jerseys. I, that was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was thinking, is that the pink team that was like always really good? <laughs> <laughs> yep. The pink jerseys. That's how everyone knows us. But yeah, I had a great club experience though. So it was really fun. And I met some of my best friends too, like that were still so close to this day. Um, so that's why it's fun coming home too. Getting to see them is like amazing. But yeah. Yeah, and you, how far are you away from, or how far is Creighton from where uh, you're from? It's about three hours, two and a half, like it just depends, but it's a good distance. And that was like one of the main things when I was deciding on college, like I wanted to be close to home because I do have five younger siblings and like me and my family are so close, like that was a really big thing for me. And so I knew that was like one of the main factors like I wanted to consider. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And what would your advice be for just imagine like maybe like an outside hitter that's like 14 years old and like just imagine you being 14 like what would you tell your 14 year old self um going through the recruiting process (laughs) take a deep breath it's gonna be like don't worry But no, I think one of the main things is just really put yourself out there, like never be afraid to reach out to someone because why not try like it's not going to hurt you, you know. Um, So I think that's really important and just really like to get to know the coaches and make those connections. And I would make it really personal. I think that's really important, too, because um, obviously volleyball is important, but like the main thing is that they're going to care about you as a person. And like, that's one of the main reasons I chose Creighton is because they care so much about us. And like, even if I wasn't playing volleyball, like they would still love me so much, you know? And so I think that's just so important. And I think we kind of get wrapped up in like, Oh, like they need to be the best volleyball school or whatever. But like, it's so important, like to find a good program. That's the best fit for you, like as a whole, you know? And so I think that's really important too. And just getting to know the girls as much as you can too. And seeing if you would fit in, if you see yourself fitting in well at these types of programs, but yeah, just putting yourself out there. I think that's a huge thing. Like, don't be afraid to email, make those highlight videos. I would take, (laughs) it's so important. And yeah, just put yourself out there. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like when I was in the recruiting process at 14, I felt like so intimidated too. I don't know why, but like looking back, I'm like, what? Like, why are you intimidated? Just like, like reach out. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is they say no. Like exactly. Or they just don't even respond. Like, and that, that does happen a lot of times because there's so many girls that they're looking at. It's like, it is very common, but like, it's okay. Like you're going to get over it. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, I always, yeah, I always tell players because like when they get told no and things like that, like from a coach, I always like try to tell them like, it is for the best. Like if a coach, like, doesn't want you then it probably like wouldn't have worked out in the first place and it also isn't necessarily about who the player is you know like a lot of the times coaches are looking for specific positions for your recruiting class so I mean there could be this really amazing libero for example I don't know just making something up and (laughs) her dream school was whatever school it was and they 
decided not to pursue recruiting her because they didn't need a libero for her class. Exactly. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so important for girls to remember because like it's volleyball playing it in college is so hard because there's only a certain amount of spots. And so like when you get rejected, it feels like the end of the world. But a lot of times it's like, oh, it's not personal. It has nothing to do with you. Like they probably just have a libero in the class ahead. And so that's why it's so hard. But it's nothing with your ability. You're still an amazing player. And, like, these girls need to remember that because it's hard. When you hear no, like, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, especially if, like, your dream school was to go play somewhere and they shut you down. Like, as hard as it is, like, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I know a lot of people do, too. And, like, truly, like, that is happening for you to find a better school that, like, better suits you. And it's hard in the – at the time to understand that sometimes but then once you're older and you're at that school you're gonna be like okay now I understand why everything happened you know yeah definitely all right so let's go ahead and move on to the hot take section of this podcast so I was kind of explaining it to you uh beforehand um but basically this is a mix of hot takes um that I've seen whether it was on Twitter other things like that um or hot takes that have been submitted to the podcast or to my Instagram um there I would say some of them are mild some of them are really hot but um we'll just go back and forth um saying the hot take and then whether we agree or disagree with the hot take and yeah you can choose whichever ones you want um, so since you're the guest, you get to go first. <laughs> okay. Let me look at this list. <laughs> They're like so all over the place, by the way. I was trying I was gonna like organize them, but I was like, you know what, whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start with the first one. Creighton volleyball is so underrated because they are a power five school. I I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really hard because we get overlooked all the time um because we are in a power five conference but um I think this year we're really starting to prove ourselves and that's why it's kind of exciting to make these runs because we just want to show everyone like who Creighton Volleyball is and we want them to keep watching um because we're good and so we want people to finally see that so yeah definitely yes yeah Yeah, I definitely agree too I will say I feel like it's I guess it would be more true like five years ago. I feel like fans are starting to finally pick up on like, nice. hey, you don't need like not all like non par five schools, like they should still be in contention, like still be part of the conversation. Especially because you all like I was talking to your assistant coach on that show and I was like, You all put together such an amazing non conference schedule playing against some powerhouse teams. So, and like you beat them. So it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that's really important too. Boot does a great job of doing that so that we can get our RPI up as high as possible because it's kind of hard to do that in conference play sometimes. But also the Big East is growing though. Like our conference mm-hmm. like this year, St. John's was so good. Like there were some really teams that were like doing a lot better than they have in years past. And I mean, I love that for our conference. It makes it so much more fun for us too. So like, it's so amazing, but I mean, it's getting more competitive. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do not forget about the Big East Conference, everybody, okay? Like, (laughs) they're only going to get better. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Which one should I do? I didn't pick out, like, my first one that I just wanted to do. But I will do... 
Kendra Way being the most underrated. <laughs> yep, I agree. With you. Okay, I'll do I'll do that one. I'll or I'll do that one. Kendra Way is the most underrated setter in NCAA volleyball. I would definitely say she's one of the most underrated. Every time I watch her play, like just like the decisions that she makes on the court, like I feel like obviously your hitters are really really good but I feel like they are always like not always but like a lot of the times left with like either like no block. one block or barely any block <laughs> everything to Kendra Way all my credit like <laughs> to her I'm like thank you single block I'm like that's you Kendra like I didn't do anything here that's all you <laughs> yes and she is a junior right mm-hmm. yeah yes. so she's gonna be a senior next year mm-hmm. so You'll have her back next year. She's finally starting to get that recognition. So Mm -hmm. it's exciting. Like towards the end of the year, I feel like there were a couple things where I was like, okay, like Kendra Way, everyone needs to talk about her because she's insane. But yeah, because it's not even just her setting. Like she's so good at everything she does. Like she's, I think she's probably what, 5'10 maybe. I mean, she can reach just as high as some of our really tall hitters. And like her blocking, like... Yeah, no small block from that setter. She's she can get up. It's crazy. It was re- it was really funny. You're like she's like what five ten. I'm like I feel like you know more than me. But I was like yeah. You're like uh yeah, I think so. It's like it from the television, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she's she's been awesome to watch. So yeah. okay, let's see. I'm gonna get another one of these. Okay, well, another one. KBB is the most badass female volleyball coach in NCAA volleyball. Yep, once again. Yeah. I, I agree with that more. I mean, she seriously is amazing. And I think all of us would say, like, she's the main reason we're here because she's so good. What she's done for this program is amazing. And she's such a great leader for us, too. Like, on and off the court. I mean, whew, that girl, she's insane. Yes, I, literally. I, literally fan like every time like every interview I'm just like yes just like talk like talk (laughs) like you're just so amazing like I don't even care if you like talk about like a random tv show like during a press call like just yeah (laughs) talking amazing (laughs) but yes I think I was gonna do actually I had made a video of the top five most badass female volleyball coaches in NCAA Mm -hmm. volleyball made the list and then I was like oh my gosh I completely forgot about the BYU coach and I was like oh my gosh why did I not include her so I completely scrapped the video and I haven't done it I haven't redone it ever since but um just do KBB (laughs) KBB was number one okay so you can let her know that when I eventually make the video um she will be number one but honestly like you can kind of disagree with this one and that she's just the most badass coach. Like, not mm. even female coach. Like, she's the most exactly. bad- badass coach. <laughs> 100%. Um, awesome. All right. Mm. They're fun. I know. All right. Let's do this one that's, like, really – there was one. Oh. This one, it could go either way, but – this hot take is if middles and setters were to do a serve receive battle, middles would win hands down. So wow. this one's hard because I feel like middles are going to take it more seriously because they want to prove 
to everyone that they can pass. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the setters are going to like take it like too hard and be like, I want to like make this pass look really good. Whereas middles are just going to like put an arm out and it's going to be like a perfect pass. <laughs> I'm literally thinking that I was going to say the same thing because passing so mental too. Like I feel like the middles are going to be like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Like I'm just going to stick my arms out and it's going to be like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but think because setting is like the most perfect thing like everything has to be perfect and they're gonna mess up because they're gonna be overthinking it I, yeah. I kind of agree middles middles have that one I don't know <laughs> that's hilarious let me see oh the midwest has the best club volleyball I agree with that and I've always thought that it's so competitive mm-hmm. and it makes it so fun because like our power league and our uh, like regional tournaments are so competitive every single team like it could go either way and it's it's so fun and the recruiting I mean there's so many people that come to watch so it's awesome but I think Midwest has some really good club volleyball yes so. no I definitely agree like I feel like if you take the read like if you just take like every region of the United States I feel like Midwest like as a whole has the best volleyball yeah. I feel like if you took states individual then it could be like Texas or California, but like the region as a whole, definitely the Midwest. I think so. Yeah. I'm from Florida, by the way. And I feel like we're like on that cusp, like we have good volleyball, but not like great volleyball, you know, like, (laughs) and so like some teams are like, Whoa. And then it's just kind of, yeah, but all right. My turn. Yes. My turn. Um, (laughs) um let's do okay let's talk about this one the challenge system takes way too long because I think there's different perspectives from um the players and the coaches on the court compared to the viewers on television Mm -hmm. there are sometimes like as a I guess fan like watching matches Mm -hmm. that like they just like take so long and I'm just like I feel like I feel like from like your perspective, like do you how are you able to like stay warm or like I don't know. Yeah, no, sometimes it is tough. It's kind of nice though because you just get another timeout pretty much. That's so, true. Like we're just talking strategy or like whatever. Like Booth will come over and like it's just giving us more time, like if we need a break. But also if you're winning and you have that momentum, like it can really slow things down. So like I think it just kind of depends like which side you're on when it happens of like whether you need that time out or if the momentum, it just depends. So I don't know, but I think it is tough because it's really important to have the right call, like getting mm-hmm. screwed over by uh, the wrong call can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just go like this. I don't know what I'm talking about, but if you know, you know. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think as a viewer, too, I would get a little frustrated just because volleyball is such a fun, quick-paced game. But if there's too many challenges and it's slowing things down, I can understand how it would be kind of difficult and kind of boring sometimes if it's constant. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys – this is always something that I've wondered. So, whenever there's, like, a call or something, like, obviously Booth goes over and, like, pull like takes the green card or whatever mm-hmm. um do you do you feel like sometimes you all have like a say and like hey coach like you should go challenge that or like no coach don't go 
will always be like, did you touch it? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, like, fine. We won't challenge. But there are times, like, at the beginning of the year, like, high hands, it's like I was working on it so much. And there would be balls where I would just, like, fly out of bounds. But I'm like, I know there was a touch. And everyone was like, no, that looks like it went soaring. And I was like, no. Like, I know they touched it. So I'm like, Booth, like, they touched it. And she's like, really? And everyone's like, oh, I don't know. And, like, in my head, I'm like, I know they touched it. And I'm like, we're sitting there. And, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. If they did it, like, this is all on me. Like, everyone knows that I just caused a scene to, like, get a touch on this. And then I think we ended up getting it or whatever. I don't even remember. But I was – you get kind of nervous because you're like, if this doesn't go my way, like, this is all my fault. Like, sometimes, like, you're like, oh, this is on me. Like, the fans, they'll be like, oh, like, cause a scene. And Boo's like, well, I have to challenge now. Like, if if that's a reaction, then, like, we got to challenge it. So, yeah. like, there's other things that, like, factor into it for sure. Yeah, I feel like I feel like sometimes the fans factor in too. Like there's sometimes um so I would go, I live in Gainesville, so I'd go to some of the Florida matches. Cool. And like our section, so we're like right behind the end line, um, which has like a really good view of just like I just feel like the end line view just has a really good yes. view of like the lines and all that kind of stuff and the touches and all that kind of stuff. And so like the people on the sides like don't really react, but we're like, no touch. Touch. <laughs> and they're like okay well i have to call it now because everyone else does but then like it doesn't go their way like you're kind of looking around like there's like, what the heck fans yeah it's just us over what are we doing here yeah. yeah but i always thought i always thought that was interesting because um mm-hmm. just the different perspectives of like how the challenge system is working for uh the student athletes the coaches just all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so <laughs> yeah okay is it my turn Yes, we'll do a couple more. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, this one says the sleeveless jerseys are not it. Ooh. I personally, I like the sleeveless jerseys, and I think they're really cool. I think you have to wear the sleeves with them, though. That's my opinion. I think mm-hmm. you have to have it all together, and everyone needs to be wearing the same thing. Like It needs to be like uniform, like everyone's in the same. But we don't have sleeveless jerseys. I've never worn them myself. Oh. In the future, if we get them, and I'm like, okay, I don't like this on me. Like, but as of now, I think they look really clean. I think they're super cool. I really like them. So, yeah, I feel like if you all were to get the sleeveless jerseys, I think they would look really cool. Just like the blue, just like the color blue that your Uh school is. I just feel like it would look really cool if you did like a little. Let me get. Let me get with your uniform coordinators. Like, I'm just kidding. Like just doing like like the um, like I really like the ombre uh, sleeveless jerseys. Sometimes like the solid ones, it's just like I don't know. Like there's, I feel like you got to have like a flow with it. I guess I agree. Um, Yeah, but yeah, I've never worn them. It'd be kind of be nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, Um, I will send this to your guys's uh, coordinator or whatever. Um, Let them know. Get with it. Get with it. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say maybe some teams have this sleeveless jerseys. I feel like most do now. I don't really I know. know. At least one. Like I feel like a lot of teams do. So yeah, I feel like most teams we've played this year, like out of all their jerseys, they'll have like one sleeveless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe just at least one. I know. <laughs> right? At least some sometime in my life, you know. <laughs> awesome. All right. I was about to say one, but I was like, we definitely already did that one. Um, okay. This might be one I disagree with, but it's, 
if a team wins by more than 15 points in the first and second set, they should automatically win the match. It's like if there was ever to be like a rule change with it via a mercy rule. So the only reason why I would disagree would maybe be like if you're like absolutely killing a team, like maybe switch up your lineup, try something different in case like it would ever be needed for like a future match and stuff like that. Um, I But I do understand the perspective of like, hey, like you beat them like by like 25 9 25 yeah. 8 like like <laughs> do we really need to play this third set but it's like again like you never know but like most likely you'd win that third set but. yeah well I think also like I love a reverse sweep and like yeah that could ruin the chances like what if there's an amazing comeback that we would miss because of this like I think that's so fun but also yeah. like I feel like most of us just love to play and like I know it's like sometimes can be like frustrating winning by that much we're like oh we have another but at that point it's like let's just go have fun now and play more volleyball like exactly I just admit that because I just want to keep playing but I think it would be hard though if you won the first two and then you're the one that loses if they come back and reverse (laughs) you that would not be fun but um yeah, then it's competitive yeah. volleyball and you get to compete and play in a fifth set and that's fun. So yeah, know. and I feel like I don't know if there, I don't know if there have been more reverse sweeps this year than in years past, or maybe people are just like coining that term this season. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just swear it's like this team reverse swept this team. Yes, for, I know. Like it's happening. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's so fun. Like it's so fun to watch. So. Some of the ones that I do like, though, like, not a reverse sweep, but, like, an almost reverse sweep, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like, it's like a, it's like, oh, like, they're coming back, and then, like, yeah, (laughs) 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 like, they didn't just give up, like, this is amazing, still, like, pushing through, you know, like, I think that's cool, but, yeah, but I feel like you're always kind of rooting for the underdogs in that situation, and then when they lose, you're like, oh. (laughs) it's funny all right we'll do two more you can go and then um i'll go okay wait i just saw one i wanted to do oh wait oh get rid of the conference tournaments regular season winners should get the tournament i um disagree with this actually because i think for like our um conference for example um some of these teams don't get the opportunity to um play some of these other teams that can raise their rpis so, like they wouldn't just get like an at-large bid and so i think it's really important for them to have the opportunity to win the tournament and be able to um make it to the tournament because sometimes that's the only way they can if they win that um, conference tournament so i think we should keep them but um yeah personal opinion but i don't know yes and it's like who who doesn't love that like a conference tournament so like, fun. It feels like it's a state fun. that's what i always think of because it just it goes back to like the tournament of like if you lose your out like it's not like the big tournament but like it's like smaller and so it always reminds me of a state championship which is so funny but like it feels like you're winning state it's that same feeling and it just it brings back that like excitement and like i love it i think it's so much fun but yeah, and honestly, like, it would be cool, which I don't think it would 
be like viable to do especially with especially with the big 10 like gonna have like 27 teams next year but like it would be cool if other like conferences did it especially because um some of the conferences uh this season especially I would say the ACC like I feel like their records were kind of lopsided because they didn't play everybody um twice or they played certain teams once and other teams twice and it kind of just like messed I don't know it just kind of made the record lopsided so I think if you just have a tournament and you just ball out and then yeah yeah, winner winner gets the AQ and then yeah like more opportunity for um like at large bed so and obviously like making the NCAA championship that tournament championship is so hard to do and so like I feel like a lot of teams don't get to compete in like the semis and the championship like that feeling of just like like I said like a state championship like it's so much fun and so I think that would give another opportunity to be able to just compete like you said so so much Mm -hmm. fun I love it yeah yes Mm -hmm. yes I I really I like conference tournaments too I feel like it it has at least like a, I don't know, like a, I, I guess when the other conferences win the match that I guess like clinches it for them, they like get all excited yeah. and dogpile. But I feel like winning like a tur- like a conference tournament is like, hey, I don't know. Yeah. It's so much more exciting. Mm-hmm. But all right. Last one. Oh, I get- okay. 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 Which ones have we done? Which ones have we not done? We went in such a weird order. Now it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, like, again, I was going to put these, like, kind of organize them a little bit, but they were just kind of all over the place. Oh, I love it. Perfect. I'm going to go with this one. Having a high vertical jump far outweighs being tall. I wouldn't say like this one's really hard because I think it really depends on the player. Mm-hmm. But I have started to I think they're starting to become a trend in college volleyball where having a like outside hitter maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of you, but like <laughs> <laughs> like someone who just like jumps really high and then the setter just dishes them like super quick sets mm-hmm. and if the set is fast enough, like mm-hmm. the block's not going to be there and you're going to get a kill. And mm-hmm. so it's like, maybe you do want that high vertical jump. I wouldn't say it far outweighs being tall because I think there's, there's definitely a correlation between being yeah. tall and being good at volleyball. Like, yeah. like there is in a way, but there's also exceptions like yeah. AKA Joe Gillen at Arkansas. Yeah. Like there's definitely going to be exceptions, but <laughs> No, I agree. I think just being really bouncy and like quick off the ground, like that's so huge too. Um, like very dynamic, I guess. But um, I think also though, like when you're tall, your your wingspan's longer too. So that means your reach is longer. Like I feel like you could literally make like a little bit of a difference being like an inch taller. Like I feel like with your reach, that makes it even more. So like, I don't know. I feel like height is super important, but I also feel like nowadays, like you're seeing so many players they're just super athletic can jump and like they're not the tallest and it's working too like I mean I think you can't really go wrong either way um mm-hmm. but yeah I don't know if I have like a specific opinion on one yeah you know? me neither like I, I want I wanted to end this one on like a it, it depends it depends yeah. but yeah like 
I would say so um my friend she uh was a setter and she loves um watching <laughs> sometimes she'll like stop watch the setter sets like when she's at games because she's like oh that one was so fast and stuff and she would always talk about how Kendra sets are really fast and then um Hannah Pucas at Oregon's is really fast um so I just thought I would point that out it's really cool that like it's really important so yeah maybe Mm -hmm. we just didn't agree that you need to be tall and jump yeah both yeah you need you need both (laughs) five 30 inch vertical then you're fine that's that's I know like imagine like imagine if like Jill Gillen was like six four like she would like jump over the net like (laughs) it would would just not be fair at that point I'd be like no you're (laughs) that's not fair (laughs) I do not want to have to play against you that is not fair yeah (laughs) awesome well Ava thank you so much for coming on tonight um yes as I'm here currently recording this episode's outro my sister reminded me she was actually texting me during the recording but i wasn't getting the messages she was like cbs 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 and yes so the pvf announced their first media partnership with uh cbs so 10 of their matches and then the two semifinals and final matches of the pvf inaugural season will be broadcasted on CBS. So how exciting is that? I knew I was forgetting something important as far as PVF news goes. But anyways, thank you all so much for tuning in. And um, unfortunately, um, well, not really unfortunately, but um, I'm going to take a hiatus on Volley Takes until February. (laughs) Um, I want to wait until the beginning of PVF starts and then especially that'll be quite a quite a ways into the club volleyball season just so I have enough uh, to talk about. So the next episode of Volley Takes will be, let's look, let's look, let's look, uh, February 6th. So February 6th will be the next episode of Volley Takes. So yes, Merry Christmas or day after Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to everyone. And um, I'll see you guys February 6th.